Welcome to episode four of Two Guys One Dice Cup. Episode four is entitled "Us Renegades of Funk," in uh, homage to the team that we're going to be talking about. And uh, yeah, so let's get cracking. My name's Al Goldeneye Unicorn. I'm one of the guys, and off to my stage left is <laughs> my name's Phil from Arashes Cairns. Uh, stage left, about uh, 120 odd miles north from you. Yeah. Yeah, nobody knows. The listeners don't know me, but it's good to be back with you again in episode four. Yeah, definitely. So this was your choice of um, title for this one, Chaos Renegades of Funk. So we're obviously going to be talking about the Chaos Renegades uh, Blood Bowl team, which won the poll on the Two Guys, One Dice Cup Facebook page. Congratulations. You're all winners. Apart from uh, the folk who picked Underworld, who are losers, of, yeah, which, but they're, of which you they're, and I were both. I know, I know. It's terrible It's terrible to tell the listeners who we voted for, but <laughs> we, we, wanted, we both wanted to talk about Underworld, but just uh, Renegades, both um, both of us hold a, a good place in our hearts, so we're almost as happy to be talking about them. Um, but let's get cracking. We've got a few sections to get to uh, in between then and now. And first off, on the games front, Phil? Yeah, so I've had a fair amount of Blood Bowl 2 action this month. Um, so I think where we picked, uh, well, we finished off last time, uh, I uh, just managed to break a, a run of two games uh, that had been pretty soul-destroying uh, against Nurgle with a win um, with my Chaos team. So we've put, I've played... Um, so I played three games in the June event for Aberdeen Blood Bowl Communities uh, Online League. Um, so we played four games in total. The last, uh, the first one being the the win against Nurgle in the last uh, podcast. So I, I won two one versus Brett uh, and beat Chaos Dwarves two uh, 0 twice. Two different Chaos Dwarf coaches. So I, I ended up oh. going. End up going four zero zero with chaos uh, in that event, so that that was pretty that's, good. That's pretty tough going though, having to play two different um, chaos dwarf teams. Was there? Do they have any sort of um, highlights or? Uh, yeah, so um, uh, the last game um, was uh, effectively uh, the decider for who won the event because um, both myself and. Uh, and Gordon, uh, who's uh, GWI1874, NAF name. Um, I wish he would change that. So do I. I just, just Huntley Loon or something like that would be amazing. Uh, but yeah, uh, he's uh, he he and I were both on 3-0-0 at that point. Um, so it kind of it was it was a good opportunity to uh, to kind of have a face off against him because he's one of the one of the better players up here for sure. Um, and he's got this absolute bitch of a player. Uh, he's got a hobgoblin uh, that's strength five. Strength uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> five. Strength five. A strength five hobgoblin. What a piece of shit! So it's, he's got block as well. Uh, not that he needs it with strength five, to be honest. Um, so how? how um, no. How long has he had this team going for to get the you know skill stat increases? On a hobgoblin, that's that's pretty, pretty hard. Well, going. 
Well, so I think I think he scored with it and then got the MVP in the same game for his first skill, and it went it got the strength up. So the first uh, skill up was a strength up, and then of course with him being strength four um, and having better um, edge than a bull centaur, he naturally uh, sort of moved towards carrying with that guy, which you you would do. Uh, so he he's leveled up quite quickly after that, and he he went he got block next, and then just to add insult to injury, he got uh, another plus strength uh, a couple of games later. That's disgusting. It is. disgusting. It is. So I was going into that game knowing that um, there was a bit of a TV difference. I had enough for a wizard and a babe, um, so or a bloodweiser keg uh, these days. Um, so it was quite it was quite a it's quite a good game. Um, I, he was absolutely brutalizing me in my drive, uh, but I managed to to sneak out to the side. Uh, I've got an edge four chaos warrior, so I managed to sneak out to the side um, on my own uh, with only the um, strength five uh, hobgoblin as a real threat. So I managed to park another uh, beastman on the strength five hobgoblin. Uh, just so he at least had to dodge and uh, to to make the blitz, and he he went he went for the blitz and failed the dodge, and uh, and casually does his strength five hobgoblin. So <laughs> so I was sitting there thinking, oh brilliant! So that's that's pretty much giving me the the, the touchdown because he there was nobody really in touching different uh, distance, and I could get far enough away that um, I could score. And at that point, it hadn't looked I, I hadn't looked likely that I was going to score because if he'd have made that dodge he was probably putting me down so so that was great he used the apple so I knew the apple had gone I still had the wizard in pocket at this time so I was 1-0 up going into the second half so I thought I'll probably get a draw here it's been a tight game um I think I had another couple of players go off early in this second half um and it wasn't looking great and then everything just went from bad to worse for Gordon. <laughs> uh, at one point, I just thought, fuck it, lightning bolt. Uh, he was ball carrying with the, the hobgoblin. Lightning bolt, I'm going to get rid of the fucker. Uh, worst case scenario, it's gone and I draw 1-1. One, one. Uh, best case scenario, I take him off the pitch. Lightning bolted him. Uh, MNG with a niggling injury. <laughs> so, so, so least, he, least he deserves but even better than that the ball just went kind of pinging about and then I ended up with the ball um, after a whole heap of buggering about is because he, he kind of committed quite far down the side so he had to bring his uh, bull centaurs back he managed to catch the ball with a so I got the ball he then managed to um, blitz me with the bull centaur um, knock the ball loose, but catch it with that bull centaur. Um, mm. But then he was uh, in tackle zones and couldn't get out. So what had happened uh, with that was I ended up with a, hitting his bull centaur with the ball with uh, a Chaos Warrior with claw and uh, took him off the pitch, got the ball back, um, and eventually buggered off and scored. Uh, for the two 0 win, uh, but yeah, it was there was a a, a mad a mad two uh, two turns where everything 
that could have gone wrong for Gordon kind of pretty much did. Um, well, I'm, I'm sure he'll be licking his wounds uh, somewhere, somewhere in Aberdeen. But you know, he should, as we mentioned before, he should uh, change his um, NAF name to something good that might make his luck a bit better. And having a strength five hobgoblin with block is just disgusting. Yeah, so I've made it slightly easier to kill that strength five hobgoblin now by giving it a niggling injury. But at the same time, you've still got to do something with it in the first place. Um, yeah, put it in that position. So yeah, it's a tough, a tough player to play against. But he's given the Chorfs a break for this event um, for the July one, and he's uh, running. What's he got this time? Undead. So I think he won won his first game. So I played a couple of other games on top of that. I played Skaven twice. Um, I played against um, a guy called Liam, uh, who's who's a, a bit newer to the the tabletop side of things uh, in the league, but I think he's played a wee bit online as well. Uh, so I played him with my Orcs and beat them three uh, nil. That that scoreline was a bit flattering. I think it was pro- two nil was probably a, a, a bit more uh, sort of realistic, uh, but I managed to pop a, a, the ball again in, in the second half and score a third one. Um, and then I had the first event, the first game of the second, uh, of the July event, sorry, against uh, Stephen Brands, um, who is oh, yeah. one of his scavens. He's a good player. Uh, and that game was just bullshit. It was ridiculous from start to finish. It was ridiculous. Uh, it finished 3-2 to him. Um, but it involved like a double skull with a rat ogre, uh, passing loner, and then popping the ball. And then me in the turn after that, directly after that, double sculling with a troll, and uh, then um, failing the loner reroll. Um, and then that was after I got the ball back. Then he got the ball again. And you know what it's like, car runners all over the place and away. So that, that put him 1-0 up. And then there was all sorts of shit happened. Um, I scored a, a long bomb touchdown with the Orcs. So I needed a six, got the six, and then a three-up catch in the end zone as well. But yeah, 3-2 three, three for that one. It was all, all sorts of nonsense. I was uh, I was kind of playing a more developed team, but I was missing two Black Orcs um, from the last game. Um, so yeah. it was a tough a tough game. Um, he had... Uh, yeah, missing, missing two strength four players. Um, yeah. Going to suffer. Uh, one of whom had block. The, re- uh, the rest of my uh, Black Orcs, uh, because you don't get the, uh, the choose three MVP, um, it's, it's a random one. Um, it's difficult to skill up Black Orcs unless you get uh, an MVP on them uh, or you're lucky with casualties. And like, I've only had one one go up so far and the rest are all sitting on zero SPP. So uh, mm-hmm. it's been a bit of a slog with them. But no, it's, tough. it's tough playing that. It's not older rule set, but online stuff when you can't sort of put your three players up uh, for your MVP selection. That's me sitting on... Uh, on 10 wins, four draws, three losses since uh, the start of um, playing online in the Aberdeen stuff. So it's not too bad. Quite happy with that. 4-1-1 with the Orcs and 6-3-2 with the Chaos. So, yeah. And if you you had those same results 
on tabletop, you would um, be well chuffed with yourself. Any player would. Yeah, especially with the chaos, because uh, they're a, a hard slog um, early on for certain. Um, the orcs, uh, I guess, it depends what's in the league, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm reasonably comfortable with them. So um, yeah, there's a, I've enjoyed playing the two teams. Actually, I haven't played orcs for quite a long time, and I haven't really played much chaos until uh, the online. So kind of avoided them because everybody tends to go down the kill team route. Uh, yes, but, exactly. but yeah, no, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. How about yourself? What have you been up to? Um, well, for me, this month I've had a complete failure in everything Blood Bowl related uh, in terms of playing games online, even just against the AI. Uh, I just haven't had time, I think, for myself. You know, everybody's a full-time parent. We're both full-time parents, but the only sort of free time I have and is in the evening from about nine o'clock to eleven o'clock. And I've been busy with a few other projects um, which we'll get to maybe later on in the podcast, or at least we'll touch on them later on in the podcast. And the one thing I have managed to fix up though is a regular Monday night gaming session of Settlers of Catan on Steam with a couple of other regular Bowl players in Scotland, which is it's something we would usually get together at least once a month to play you know, at somebody's house with quite a few drinks being had. Uh, because Catan's one of it's not one of my favourite board games. It's a game I enjoy, but the other guys like it a lot, so I tend to just go along with it so that we can um the interaction. But yeah, every Monday night has been Settlers of Catan and I've actually managed to win a few games, which is nice. I've never played that. Uh, I've heard plenty of folk talking about it, and I've been aware of it for a long time, but never managed to play it. Yeah, it's it's an enjoyable game. You know, you you get a little resource card so you can build roads and cities, and you know the different expansions give you city walls and knights and boats and traveling to islands and uh, lots of dice rolling involved. And there's lots of bargaining and uh, trading with other players for resources and all transfers really well onto the uh, the version on Steam online so it's, it's very true to the board game itself yeah which is quite no. good so yeah so in terms of Blood Bowl I haven't rolled dice in that respect but uh, managing to actually get to play something you know, to scratch fetch has been has been good um, oh, the one thing that you would love uh, on Catan that you would love to transport into Blood Bowl 2 online or something, it tracks the live dice statistics. Okay. So every player, at the start of every player's ro- uh, turn, they roll 2d6, and that corresponds to uh, numbered hexes on the board. It's those numbered hexes that generate resources. You want to try and get yourself close to resources that are on hexes like um, six or eight or five. You know, got lots of numerical chances of coming up. Yeah. And if you roll a seven, you get to move the the robber or the pirate ship. You know, like the wild card thing that moves around the board. Aye. And um, and so yeah, it generates the live dice statistics. So you can just see exactly how the AI or how the computer algorithm is rolling them. 
and just some of the anomalies that come up. So like the first, I remember the first 20 turns of a game. So there's been 20 dice rolls and seven of them were fours. Like, what, seriously? You know, we've rolled 2d6 20 times and we've got seven fours already. Um, it was all a bit, all a bit strange, but if you could transport that into Blood Bowl, just so you can see, you know, what, you know, even if it was just for all the armor rolls, what's, what's actually been happening, it'd be, it'd be interesting. So you do get that to an extent um, on the, on BB2, um, you can sort of, sort of go back through all the dice um, and have a look. And sometimes that's soul destroying especially seeing exactly. some of the runs. Um, exactly. You'd rather just see it generated on a nice bar graph. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That that, that would be useful. Uh, a lot yeah. of, they put a lot of people um, either at ease uh, or uh, a bit more kind of uh, mindful of this whole kind of uh, random number generator uh, debacle that kind of rears its head every other week on the Blood Bowl community. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So disappointing not to have any blood bowl stories from gaming to report, but sometimes that's just the way life is. Um, I guess, I guess, in saying that, we're about to move. Well, we're we're moving on to the next section. What's on the table? What we've been painting, building, purchased, or want to purchase? I suppose this is where I should sort of try and account for all my free time. And um, well, before that, I did do one purchase. It's very similar to a purchase that I did in the last episode. This time, <laughs> this time I needed this Babylon Five Wars model. I needed it, and uh, thankfully it was in it was in the UK, so I didn't have to around with trying to get it transported from America. But it was uh, it was an Orion Starbase. Oh, it sounds big, but you know it's not not huge. But basic basic idea: it's you know a little space station that the Earth Alliance can set up around a planet to claim it and act as a bit of a support support network. And for those of you who um, are into science fiction, it is basically just a big thing with a, a big sort of cargo bay thing in the middle. I think it was. I think I've seen one in. A 2001 A Space Odyssey. All right, okay. Like sort of you know, hoop a space station with um, four pillars running into a central central um, loading bay. So needed it. <laughs> Need needed needed to have it. Needed to have it and got it for a reasonable price. Um, what I was saying about stuff I've been working on, so I have been busy every single night during my free time. Uh, I'm currently organizing a bolt action tournament and it's going to be taking place at the end of September. I'm not going to try and pitch it here because this isn't what this podcast is all about. Um, but every night I've been contacting sponsors, uh, writing up the players pack, editing the players pack and um, getting all that information sent out. I've had oh, 11 sponsors come back and confirm that they're going to you know, send me products. I've got three already have and I've got that in the house already uh, speaking to the venue to make sure that 
know, everybody's concerned and, and rightly so about COVID-19. We don't really know where we're going to be in September, but uh, I need to, if, if I don't start organising anything, then nothing will happen. Aye. So I'd rather you know, spend some of my time, get something happening, and if it falls at the last minute, then that's, that's just the way it is. Um, and that's it's been really well received by the players and the bolt action community. I mean, some of them are super cautious and they're not wanting to commit money to buy a ticket just now, and that's totally fine. Whereas there are players out there I've got tickets sold from France, Spain, Wales, England, and a couple from Scotland, but already there's people wanting to travel because having a look around, I think it could be the only bolt action event that's actually advertising and making a drive to 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 happen. Um, so really hope I can actually pull this off and top that off. Uh, this week, this like you know, when we sat down to record this episode of Two Guys One Dice Cup, uh, I laughed, I laughed with you before we hit the record button. I said, "Man, this is the third podcast I've recorded this week." Um, I've been on two bolt action podcasts, one for Scotland and one for England, and I've had those guys review and uh, review me for the event and to talk about the the players pack. And you might think, you know, what is there really to say about a player's pack? You know, it's an event. I'll show you how to put your, your team or your army together. I'll tell you how the draw is done. I'll tell you when lunch is, et cetera, et cetera. But this time I have uh, included what's known as soft soft scores. Are you familiar with that term, Grafell? Um Probably, but maybe not termed like that. Or uh, why don't you give me a run through of what you mean? Well, the soft scores, yeah. So your um, your standard event. Let's. I'll try and get back to Blood Bowl, so that we're actually giving it's kind of relevant. So in Blood Bowl, you get points for winning, points for a draw. You don't get anything for losing because you're a loser, and then you've also got bonus points in some events for causing. You know. Casualties, three touchdowns, that sort of thing. That's that's pretty standard, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then all those points go into a spreadsheet or a you know a tournament generating program that generates the next round. And at some point, it'll generate a winner. Totally fine, totally fine, totally normal. What I've done is I've included soft scores, and the soft scores are to do with the army. Or force or team composition. So, what models, what rules are you using? What models have you taken from that army? You know, is, it, is it tuned to win? So, it's a, in a similar sense, if you had to do this sort of soft score for Blood Bowl, uh, you would be critiquing their team selection and their skill selection. Oh, so, okay. is, the, is their skill selection purely focused on winning? You know, have you like the uh, an example might be they've got a chaos dwarf team and all they've taken is guard, just spammed guard all over the place. How do you feel about that? So during each game, your opponent gives you a score at the end of the game, and they they judge your team army as it is for me. 
based upon a loose, loose set of criteria. Also, their opinion on how they feel the army is. So is there a theme? Is it just tuned to win? Have you been min-maxing, spamming units, uh, or that sort of thing? So players get to score their opponents at the end of the game for that. Other soft score I've included, and this is... Uh, I've never actually wanted this in Blood Bowl. I've never actually wanted soft scores in Blood Bowl, but it's one that you can really all players can relate to it's a sportsmanship score yeah yeah so again at the end of the game you judge your opponent on their sportsmanship and i've ran up a little blurb or the different sort of points levels roughly um what sort of things you should be looking out for and when i when i talk about it you'll find that it's, it's totally relevant to blood bowl you know are they, um, they clear and concise in their communication? Uh, telling you what they were doing and when they were doing it. Was their dice rolling clear and open? Uh, did you see what was going on? Um, was their knowledge of the rules useful and not a nuisance? In terms of were they rules lawyering or were they yeah. easy, easy to communicate a rules query or a rules issue? And then, you know, you talk about the negative stuff, the fast dice rolling, uh, time wasting, you know, I need to go to the toilet every 20 minutes. Oh, I'm going to, have, going to go and have a cigarette every half an hour. Uh, you know, were they, you know, doing other, other ways you can waste time? Slow play. You know, you'll remember from my games at the World Cup. My opponent was slow playing me with dwarves. He he was slow playing me, and I, I put him on the clock as quickly as I could. Yeah, um, that was definitely a thing. So, it's getting players to think about how the game was and how their opponent acted, and then scoring it, and then all those soft scores get added to their game results, and then that generates the final result. Okay, so a bit. While while it may not uh, uh, be a massive contributing factor to uh, to the end result, um, it could help in tie-break situations for sure. When you see what you just said there, and I know we're apologies to the rookie coaches who are waiting to hear their section and to maybe some of the other Blood Bowl players, but what you just said there was that it's not a contributing factor or not a large contributing factor. Yeah. Had that same, I had that same thought, and that's what I've spent what, a couple of months doing. Is the first pack? That was the mindset that I took. I went into. Then I looked at it and I thought it's a lot of work for the TO, which is myself. Yeah. Compile, compile all these scores. I was looking at it, it's like, so why isn't it going to be a contributing factor? Look at that. Up the points for everything. So there's five five games being played and the winner of each game will get 400 points uh, and the loser will get 100. If it's a draw, they split it 200 apiece. Uh, total soft scores are available is also 400 points. Okay. So it is, it is a factor. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'd be kind of maybe in two minds uh, about that because I, I guess I mean, 
not having played under those conditions, you're never kind of quite sure if people um, can game that or not. I mean, I guess if you tease it out over four or five games, six games or whatever, um, there, there probably is less likelihood of that being a massive issue. Um, but yeah, no, it'd be interesting to see how that uh, how that works uh, once you've mm. run it. Um, yeah. um, and that's and that's been heated discussions over podcasts. I would think maybe a total of four hours of recording in total over the the players' pack, with the main focus being the soft scores. Yeah, and it's not because players or these guys were against them; they were just wanting to find out reasoning behind it um, and and trying to break it and I was it was pretty tough tough going but it's a pack that I believe in and it is appealing to players uh, honesty and integrity yeah and I think that's important I mean um, I don't I think the people who go into tournaments uh, to be duplicitous or or um, obtuse about rules, or or just to generally kind of make everybody else's life a living hell are limited. Yeah. There's not that many people like that. Most people are there to enjoy the games that they're playing. They're there to win because it's a competition, uh, but they're there to ultimately to enjoy the games they're playing. So no, it's a it's a great uh, a great thing to to push for. Um, and encourage. So yeah, I'll be interested to see uh, once you've once you've run it how how it went. Uh, a bit of feedback on that because with you and I both uh, running uh, Granite Bowl and Aberdeen um, on the Blood Bowl side, um, mm. it's something that we may even look into uh, more soft scores um, for ours. I mean, classic ones like uh, judging people on the on the painting. How well painted their team was, scoring that out of ten or what have you. Um, how much effort they yeah. put in on top of that. Yeah, but it's it's whether or not we would ever include soft score in the final result. Would it would it affect who won the event? Yeah, um, so I mean that, that would have to be that would have to be kind of properly kind of. Uh, yeah, and that's at. and that's tricky. That's tricky, and I, I don't want to go on too too much longer about it. But I am. Um, the two points I want to make quickly to, to tie it off for me was that I didn't include any soft scores for painting mm-hmm. because I didn't know how to handle armies that weren't painted by the player that was using them. Yeah. Because um, I want to, I would like to reward effort on the player's behalf. I don't want to penalise players that they don't have time to paint models, so they commission them. So that's fine. Mm-hmm. And. One of the main reasons that the soft scores are there is to try and encourage players to take a, maybe not a balanced army, but shouldn't go all out with full power cheese. <laughs> yeah. So instead of having, you know, I think the term, the term is hard comp, without having a hard comp, limiting what people can take and let them take whatever they want if they do they might come a cropper yeah so i've spent a lot of nights typing this fucking players pack and i spent two two late nights getting grilled on podcasts um so yeah so other than 
buying stuff on eBay haven't painted a damn thing, and I'm really <laughs> upset. I'm really, I'm really upset at myself for not not being able to do the part of the hobby that I love the most. Pissed yeah. off. I've got the makings of a good event coming up, so I'm pretty excited about that. Phil, I know you have been a busy little bastard behind the paintbrush. Yeah, I've been trying trying to get up my game a little bit on the painting. Um, like I, I think I mentioned in the last podcast that uh, our local games workshop does a paint club thing where they encourage you to do something uh, once a month. So I found that really useful to to kind of motivate me um, to finishing a project during a month. Um, so I had a a great unclean one um, that has been sitting in a part painted uh, state for a, a long time. I managed to get that finished to the point where it just needs to be based now. Um, so it's uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of at the point where it's uh, it's it's done um, as far as I'm concerned. I just just need to actually base it. Um, I think I did a decent job on it as well. Um, the next thing I finished, and I literally just finished it today, uh, was the Bastilladon for Age of Sigmar uh, with um, the solar engine on top. So I managed to get that finished and based today, so that's done. And I've made a fair amount of progress on uh, the Bretonian team that I'm doing for Mark as well, um, which is good. So the, the paint inside's been pretty productive. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to uh, sort of do this month. Uh, we'll maybe discuss that later on in the, the, in the in one of the later sections. But yeah, I felt like I'd managed to get a lot off the table, which is good. Yeah, and then, I think you did really well. I've seen the seen the pictures of the Zilladon and uh, yeah, top drawer stuff. Yeah, I think I I, I kind of made the decision. I could have gone a lot further with it. Um, and I've said before, I'm I'm a bit bit of a perfectionist, and I, I find myself tinkering with it and tinkering it with it, and just I don't necessarily get any further. So I just said, right, it needs to be a decent level tabletop, um, and I'm happy if it's if it's there, and and that that's that's where I got to, and and kind of left it at that. But I'm happy with it. Um, I, I may I can always go back and uh, add stuff to it at a later date if I really really want to, but. That won't be the focus. The focus will be uh, getting this army painted, which is where I'm headed, um, slowly but surely. And then on the on the purchasing front, uh, I haven't really bought, bought that much uh, in in terms of new stuff. Um, I picked up some some paints, um, and uh, oh, what else did I get? Um, oh, just some some random shit. But then I. Um, this is this has been kind of like a um, something that I've been trying to get for a long time. So when I was uh, when I was a young lad uh, in the early nineties, uh, when I first started uh, buying white and dwarf, I, I was a young warthog. <laughs> oh God, I, I could probably do that. You know that bit that, uh, that Nathan Lane does. Uh, yeah, yeah, I could probably do that, but I won't. Um, but it's, yeah, it's not. <laughs> but then uh, um, I, I, I remember seeing um, this miniature in White Dwarf back in the early 90s, just after it came out. So it would have been 1990 or 1991, I would have thought. 
Um, and uh, it was made by Marauder Miniatures, who were a kind of an offshoot of Games Workshop, but still sold through Games Workshop. And it was a, a, a giant, uh, known affectionately as the Marauder Giant. And I always regretted not buying one at the time, but I never had enough money to, to just warrant buying that. And I always ended up buying smaller things. As you do when you're a child, uh, you just buy something you can rather than saving up for stuff. And the thing with the Marauder Giant is back in the day, that's a full metal kit. So he was, he was a fair chunk of change. Why? And um, it is a beast. Um, it's it's one of these models that I, I would honestly say I, I think it's probably my fa- one of my favourites of all time. And it's it stands the test of time against some of the newer stuff. Um, and we were having a chat about that with a couple of the guys. And um, size wise, it's actually not that different in size uh, to the current uh, Gargants for uh, um, Age of Sigmar. It's a little bit shorter, but uh, we're talking millimetres as opposed to uh, a tangible difference. And the level of detail on it's superb. Uh, it's a very, very detailed model for, for the time. And given the fact that it's nearly 30 years old, uh, or probably is 30 years years old now, um, it's, it's, it's always been one I wanted to get my hands on. So I've religiously, in the last couple of years, been watching... Uh, eBay sales. I've been sniped on multiple occasions. Um, I've um, put in offers on stuff and missed out, and um, generally just been kind of despondent and thought, oh, "I'm never going to get one of these things." And they've become rarer and rarer as people have bought uh, the remaining ones that have kind of been sitting around in people's cupboards and and started painting them. So I, I was randomly searching on the on ebay as a, as you do uh, every now and again with these things and yep and i saw one and i was like oh it's ended today and i was like it's only sitting at x amount of pounds um i'll i'll, I'll chuck in a, a bid for that and i put my, my reserve up i the highest i would go up reasonably high and i thought right okay i'll leave it at that uh, and then the waiting game began and i'm sitting there about an hour to go and to get the email to say that somebody's beaten my uh, my price. So I'm like, oh, fuck's sake. Um, you know what? I don't care. I'll, I'm going to snipe them. Uh, so so, so I, I kind of set myself up, put a reminder in my calendar uh, to give me a, a ding uh, when it was time. Sat watching it. Didn't go up, didn't go up. And I thought, well, What's this guy? Is this guy just kind of gone in a, a quid more than I have? Um, so we'll test that with a minute to go, and I chucked a, like a, an extra fiver on top or something like that, um, and beat his by like a, a pound fifty or something like that. Fully expecting to get sniped right at the end, uh, and then did, then did the whole uh, okay, I'll just uh, not watch that until the end. Uh, for fear of uh, jinxing it, but then ended up getting it. Uh, so uh, it turned up maybe about a week ago, and uh, it's great. Um, it's every bit as nice as, uh, as I wanted it to be. It's a boxed one as well. So I was going to say it's sort of brand new in box. 
Yeah. I mean, the box has seen better days, but you'd expect that in a an older an older miniature. But yeah, it's a, um, it wasn't bought for the box, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not exactly. fussed about the box state to be honest. So that'll get built at some point and painted. Uh, whether it'll kind of jump to the front of the queue or not, I'm not sure. Uh, it looks like it needs a wee bit of green stuff work, which I was aware of before, uh, for some gaps and stuff like that. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a, an, an awesome model. And I'm glad I've got my hands on one eventually. It'll be a good uh, passion project. Yeah, as with everything, though, um, I, I probably paid more than I, I I should have for it. But at the same time, you know, I, I've, okay. I'm, I'm happy enough with it. So who, who gives a fuck? I had the conversation with, the, with my wife was uh, skirted around the cost, <laughs> to say the least. Yes. It wasn't a ridiculous oh. amount. I paid more for miniatures, put it that way. The other thing that I picked up uh, just yesterday, actually, as it was uh, uh, released, was the Spike 9, which is... Of course, uh, yes. It was a bit of a curveball, because I think everybody was expecting the Snotling team to be the next release. Um, uh, but not un unwelcomed. Uh, I think uh, the fact that... Um, um, both uh, Chaos Renegades and Underworld Denizens are in, are in it, and they had uh, previously been released on in Death Zone Two. So, prior to the Spike magazines um, uh, starting, or Spike journals rather uh, starting, mm. um, but we also had the uh, uh, even further curveball of an, the addition of another new team, which um, are called. The Old World Alliance, isn't it? That's right, yeah. So, yeah, that was a, a weird one. I wasn't expected it. And the, thing, the first thing we should say for the rookie coaches is that we're going to be talking about Chaos Renegades and with this Spike number nine magazine, there are no, uh, no major changes at all. I think might, we've determined there's a few star players that have dropped in and out. I think it was just one had gone, um, but not one that most people would usually take anyway. So, uh, yeah. that so well, the rookie coaches will be getting you know good up to date information, uh, and we agreed that even though we're not going to cover those the other two teams in depth this time, they'll obviously they'll make an appearance later on. We thought we would just do a quick little quick little chat about the changes to the. Um, Underworld denizens. Yeah, and uh, I guess have a, a quick discussion about the old world world alliance as well, and our, uh, our sort of early thoughts on those. Um, yeah, well, obviously, because obviously you know we haven't played a game with them, so uh, we can't tell the rookie coaches what to do because we we don't know what we um, what we need to do ourselves. So yeah, so I think as far as the underworld denizens go, I. There has been a compositional change in the team roster. Um, mm -hmm. Whether it's bad or good uh, is, I guess, open for debate. Um, but originally, you used to be able to get two Skaven Blitzers, two Skaven Throwers. Um, was it four Skaven Linemen before? Yeah, I'm, I'm quite sure it was only two. Oh, I can't remember. Maybe it was two. You know, it was two. That's right. It was two, uh, two before as well. And uh, obviously, zero to twelve goblins and an underworld troll. Um, 
So I don't think anybody was overly expecting anything majorly different, but uh, the change appears to have been uh, put in line with the uh, the sprue for uh, the Skaven team. Uh, so you now only get zero to one Skaven Blitzer, you get zero to one Skaven Thrower, but you now get zero to three Skaven Linemen, and you also get a Gutter Runner, um, which might be quite good. I mean, the go-to for uh, for Underworld teams uh, a lot of the time for star players is Skitter Stab Stab, who we mentioned uh, in the previous episode. So yeah, he's, when uh, we when we spoke about Skaven themselves, yeah, yeah. So he's a uh, he's a gutter runner, obviously. Uh, so so it is. It, it, I I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I think in the, on the face of it, if you look at the the fact that it aligns with the the Skaven sprue uh, from the Skaven team that GW released, it does look a bit lazy. Uh, but that's, that's my main gripe with it um, I can't really complain about it because I haven't ran the team in its new format yet so you know, whenever we get around to Underworld Denizens I'll have to you know, play that team with the car runner included yeah and I think and, and for me personally I, I've already got a Goblin and Skaven team with the same colour scheme so the, the mixed race teams I'm quite passionate about because they do offer up a lot of fun with the inclusion of the gutter runner now, you know it's almost it'll almost be like me going back to this team to learn them again. But is that laziness that they have changed the rules based upon how their plastic sprues are put together? It means that they've they've not thought about any sort of imbalance. They've done they've made a change not to address a problem, but to accommodate a sale. See, yeah, and and as you said, that is just laziness. And the other thing, which I believe is lazy, is the actual typing of the rules. Oh God, I, I, and and I'm just going to focus on the one, the one part. Uh, the zero to one gutter runner doesn't have mutation as a normal skill when every other model in the team does. And I am quite firmly believe in my mind that that is a typo and an oversight because they've just done a cut-paste from the Skaven team. See, I don't think it is a typo. Um, I think that's that's accurate. Um, I think what is a typo is the... Um, um, the bit There's a couple of uh, paragraphs uh, where they discuss the composition of the team and they mention that everything can uh, get a, a mutation on a on a single skill rule or a normal skill rule. So I think that's been lazily copied from previous text or poorly QC'd. Now, I think my biggest gripe with GW isn't the fact that they've uh, gone with what's available on the sprue, because, I mean, that that's a business decision. It makes sense. They've quite clearly playtested that. I very much doubt that they've just thrown that together and not bothered to playtest it. There will have been people who've looked at it and checked that uh, it's not ridiculously overpowered. I don't have an issue with changing compositions of teams because uh, it alters the meta. Um, it encourages people to try new things. 
Um, I'm not so fussed about that side of things. What I can't abide uh, is lazy QC and stuff um, where people haven't bothered their arse to look at um, how consistent things are throughout an entire document or a set of rules. I think that pisses me off more than anything. And I, 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 it annoys me because GW have a I genuinely feel GW quite a good product at the end of the day. Um, and it's such a stupid thing to fuck up. Um, and it just shows a lack of attention to detail. And all it does is encourage the annoying rules lawyery people uh, that we mentioned earlier on uh, as being poor sports people. Yes. Uh, to look for exploitable things uh, that they can well actually uh, their way through uh, in uh, in games, and that that's that shit. And, and I've seen loads of it on the Blood Bowl community in the past uh, two weeks. Um, people just moaning and moaning and moaning and moaning, and that that's a justifiable moan. Uh, is that if if you've got people um, people who've got that mindset who are going to try and exploit these things. But you've also got people who are constantly moaning about um, changes to teams. It's like, why? I mean, I don't have a problem with that. You know, if you, if you painted a team uh, and your team's no longer valid, you know, these things happen. It's not the end of the world. It's an easy fix. Uh, I'm sure you can uh, find a gutter runner and paint it in the same colours. It's not a big deal. Uh, that sort of thing bothers me less, and I, f I find that sort of trivial to moan about. But that's just a personal opinion, you know. Like I, I, I'm sure uh, from the other side, people are are quite happy uh, with their standpoints on things. But the GW laziness uh, on their QC and proofreading uh, is is unforgivable. I mean, they've had plenty of problems going through every spike journal uh, every release um, where the, there's there's clarifications required because of inconsistent wording uh, there's fuck ups in, in things like the team roster table so like you you instantly kind of went to oh that's got to be a typo and it's uh, the gut runner should be G-A-M it's a general agility and mutation yes yes that's but that's that's probably born from the fact that um, in about two or three separate incidents since they relaunched uh, Blood Bowl in 2016, they have fucked up uh, what should be fairly basic um, team rosters uh, that are already printed and haven't changed. Um, I think previous ones have been like the Wood Elf roster was a, a, a shambles in uh in the coach's handbook, and there's loads, there's loads of other examples of similar stuff. So, yeah, that's an understandable uh, leap in terms of uh, yeah. getting your head to where you're at with that. Yeah. So, but I mean, let's let's not get bogged down no. in underworld because we are going to cover that it's in uh, in a future episode in the rookie coaches section, and yeah. we'll um, we'll accept it for the new team that it is. And uh, and that's uh, that's the only changes. Um, 
as far as I could sort of work my head around with that. So it's it's not it's not big ones, and we'll we'll have a better understanding of, the, of how they play by the time we come to uh, to look at them in rookie coaches as well. So, exactly. Yeah, and we'll have a reference point to how they used to play as well. So it's not. Yeah. It's good. I think I think we'll have a good discussion about that come the time. And um, then the yeah. Old World Alliance. Uh, we don't want to go through the positionals and everything because that's exactly what we'll do in the rookie coaches section but uh, for the rookie coaches and and for other Blood Bowl players that you know if you've been living under a rock you will not know about it um, this is now where you can combine your halflings, dwarfs and humans uh, into the one team in the same sort of vein and idea as Chaos Renegades Yeah. so uh, you get access to human linemen a thrower, a catcher, a blitzer, a couple of dwarf blockers, a dwarf runner, a dwarf blitzer, a ball slayer, a couple of halflings, and an ogre. Yeah, I mean, I and think then, uh, I think it's definitely a it's the it's the yin to the to the yang of the chaos renegades team, like you said. And, and you know what? I I don't know. I've, I've no idea. I I can't wait to a team this together and get playing I think it's just it's exciting uh, as I said before I've got a real affinity to the mixed race teams just because they offer a different dynamic but the one curiosity I'm going to call it uh, is the use of animosity and loner within the team yeah that's the one uh, as I said curiosity for me yeah, I think okay. I think, uh, I, think I, would, I would agree. Yeah, it's, it was a it was a strange, an unexpected one for certain. Yes, because I I didn't see for the for the coaches listening, all the human pieces of animosity, all the dwarf uh, pieces, and the halflings have loner. And you know what? No idea because. I haven't played it, so I can't comment, but I, my, the curiosity comes from the parallel with the Chaos Renegades and their human linemen or marauders or whatever their terminology is, they don't have animosity, but everybody else does. Yeah, I think it's almost, it's almost like the humans are the neutral glue that you know, keeps these um, mixed race teams together. And it's the other races that are distrustful. Figure. Yeah, I, I kind of the reasoning I thought they went with for this was obviously um, on on the renegades. It's something we'll get into fairly soon. All the the alternate uh, all all the alternatives to the marauders are based off lineman stats, um, whereas the this one has actual access to positionals, but I think it's the difference, the loner and the animosity here and the way that they'll more than likely sort of come into play is the difference between this being a tier one or tier 1.5 team and a tier two team. Because it has the potential to be a bit better than, uh, quite a bit better than the Chaos Renegade team. But until I play it, 
I, I, I'll reserve a better judgment. Um, but I'm like you, I'm really interested in it. I think it's a, an interested one for sure. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, you know, to rolling them out. And they've got access to a couple of good sort of staple um, uh, star players. Yeah, yeah. Helmet Wolf, who we've commented on in the past. Guy, Chainsaw. Yeah, they've got the usual suspects in there as well for humans and dwarves. I think it's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a good chance to kind of to have something a little bit different and to once again change it up a little bit, stop the the the, the game from becoming stale, uh, which I think is a is a major worry when things don't change significantly or there's not small changes here and there, you know, as there the things will become stale and people will sort of drop away from it because it's no longer interesting or a challenge. And I can yeah, see yeah. I can see why games developers do add things like this in. Um for that reason. I think the one disappointing thing for me with this spike, um, and I think it's a standout, is there's no new star players. I think they missed an opportunity to to have a couple of new ones in there. And not not ones that they've they've made up per se, but ones that uh, that are either brought back from previous editions who could play for either of these teams or a couple of these teams. Um, so I, I think that's a little bit disappointing. Uh, there's aside from the old world, um, the old world alliance. There's nothing new in here. Um, well, obviously they changed the underworld denizens team, but there's nothing nothing new to get uh, your teeth into. Um, I think I'd like to have seen a couple of star players, uh, but as always, the artwork's fun. Um, uh, it's well put together aside from the QC. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I tell you what, though, I tell you what, though, Phil, for uh, the sort of second section of the podcast, what's on the table, painted building, and purchased. We've um, we've filled it full of useful stuff. Absolutely. So, I'm just hopeful that our rookie coaches have managed to fight on through. And um, yeah, I think just... I think everybody's everybody's got a kind of uh, uh, kind of get an idea of where where things are in the in the game. Though it's good. I mean, folk, I know we aim this section, the coming up section at rookie coaches, but I guess it still is applicable to people who haven't played this particular team before. Yes. Um, so uh, there's crossover value for that as well, you know. I think. Exactly. And before we one of rookie coaches, which is in about two minutes, uh, you know what the cool thing is, and you'll have noticed as well, Phil, that this is our fourth podcast. Nobody's come online to tell us that we're wrong. Yeah, I I, I find that astonishing because uh, <laughs> uh, blood, blood Bowl players, uh, especially ones online. Are uh, usually quite opinionated about uh, things. Uh, ah, so you... we are we are meeting meeting the meeting the grade and the right appeal, and we're saying all the right things. So that's yep. it. I've just got to assume that everything we're saying is on the money, uh, exactly. and uh, and we're not talking absolute bullshit every every time we uh, open our mouths. And I think uh, the coaches that are listening, um, they can take it as gospel that if the internet isn't telling us we're wrong. Right, because <laughs> so it sure as hell will. Yes, 
<laughs> in saying that, guys, welcome to Section 3 of Rookie Coaches. And today you're going to be listening to uh, myself and Phil talk about those renegades. Yeah. yeah. And they absolutely smashed it in the uh, in the poll total as well. So we had a, um, a jump up from, I think it was 161 votes last last time round. So we had yeah. 52 votes this time, which is great. And the split, the split went to um, 151 to the Chaos Renegades and 101 to the Underworld Denizens. Yeah, which is great. I think um, I, I personally would have been happy talking about either of them, despite me voting for Underworld Denizens, uh, because I like playing both teams. Yep. Well, we've I've I've got a great affinity with both teams, as I've mentioned before. Um, you know and. I've owned and painted a lot of models, which I've sort of sold on and moved on to other teams. But I chaos renegade uh, and my underworld denizen sort of scaven goblin teams. They're my my staple miniatures that are going to stay with me. So uh, let's get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So basically, the chaos renegade team. Um, so we've got. Um, zero to twelve renegade human linemen. Uh, they cost fifty thousand gold pieces. GP um, move six, strength three, edge three, AV eight. No skills. Access to general strength, passing, and mutations on normal skill rules, and agility on a double. Um, you then have a breakdown of. Um, Zero to one renegade goblin, which is it's basically a goblin like uh, a normal standard goblin, uh, 40,000, 6237, animosity, dodge, right stuff, stunty as skills, and then access to agility and mutations are normal, and uh, the rest of the uh, skills on doubles. Uh, renegade orc lineman, now that was the uh, new addition back when. Uh, they were in Death Zone 2, so previously they hadn't had access to the Orc linemen. Uh, they're 50,000, uh, so zero to one of them again, 50,000, 5339, an animosity uh, with general mutation uh, on normal and the rest on double. A renegade Skaven linemen, 50,000, 7337, so zero to one of them again, um, animosity. General and mutations for normal skills. Um, zero to one renegade dark elf lineman, 70,000, Animosity again, and general agility and mutation for normals and strength and passing for doubles. And then you've got the access to the three uh, sort of bad guy, big guys, uh, zero to one of each of these. So that's a great term, the bad guy, big guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, you've got the troll at 110,004519. With always hungry, loner, mighty blow, really stupid, regeneration through a teammate. Um, access to strength. Um, everything else on a double. Um, zero to one ogres, 140,005529. Bonehead, loner, mighty blow, thick skull, throw teammate, access to strength, everything else on a double again, and zero to one minotaurs, 
uh, Minotaurs. Zero to one Minotaur. 150,000, five, five, two, eight, frenzy, horns, loner, mighty blue, a thick skull, wild animal, access to strength on a normal, and the rest on a dull. And then you've got zero to eight, three rolls um, at 70,000 gold pieces each. So it's a, it's a pretty diverse team. Um, all the big guys don't have access to mutations on a normal, um, which is... I don't know, maybe thematically strange, but uh, probably a nerf to stop them from being ridiculously over overpowered um, on the bash front. Um, but yeah, no, an interesting team composition. So, what uh, what roster do you want me to start with, Phil? Uh, start with the league. Um, so, like like with all our rookie coach sections. Um, we have a look at both a, a league team and a, a tournament team as well. Um, so with the leagues, we look at TV1000, which is 1 million gold pieces. Um, so Al, what do you see as a, a sort of good starting roster for, um, for Chaos Renegades then? Okay, so Renegades. Getting on my screen now. Okay, so I would pick up the Minotaur, the Chaos Ogre, and then I would go for the Orc, and it's one, two, six uh, of the Renegade Lineman, Goblin Renegade, the Dark Elf Renegade, three team rerolls, and that should total out at 960,000. I would hope. That's right. Then, and then I would whack forty grand in the bank. Yeah. That gives me one, two, three, four, five, six, eleven players. Eleven players to start off with. Three team rerolls. Forty create forty thousand gold in the bank. Okay. I've got to okay. a little bit different. That's good. Um, um, so, yeah. Um, I chose the the Minotaur and the Ogre, um, mm-hmm. uh, same as you. Um, I took the Orc um, and the Dark Elf, um, but I didn't take the Goblin. I went with uh, seven uh, Renegade Human Linemen and then mm-hmm. three rerolls, and uh, that came to 970 TV. And uh, I would just put the thirty k in the bank towards a future purchase. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So just remind me, run run through that again. So big guys, you went with you went with the Minotaur and the Ogre, yeah. Yes. Minotaur, Ogre, Seven Marauders, Dark Elf, and the Orc. Yeah. And and I went Minotaur, Ogre, Six Marauders, Orc, Goblin, Dark Elf. Okay. Yeah. So the difference is the Goblin. In our in our rosters, um, and I think the biggest highlight we should make to the rookie coaches now is that neither of us have taken the troll. Yeah, and, um, uh, and I'd, I'd imagine your reasoning is the same as mine. He's the biggest liability. Yeah, I, I think he's, he, I think the troll's the worst, the worst big guy. <laughs> he's the worst. He's the worst big guy. Uh, cost he's he's the worst but cheapest big guy you know at one hundred and ten thousand gold pieces but yeah um, 
sucks up so many resources. That's that's two marauders. Yeah, about two and a bit. Are you know, and they're they're good. Marauders are good pieces. I think they're the best players in the game just because of the access they've got skill wise. So, you know, you want to have those guys on the pitch as opposed to um troll. Yeah, I think I think that my my problem with the troll as well is it's just I'm not sure. I mean, yes, he's strength five. Yes, he's armor nine. But you're right. He's a he's a total sink of any sort of resources. I mean, the way I view it is you've got three players if you take him who've all got loner. So that's three opportunities for things to get fucked up. In a exactly. Exactly. And they, they've all got a neg trait as well. So they've all got a different one. So really stupid with the troll uh, bonehead of the ogre and wild animal with the minotaur. And Although really stupid and bonehead are, they have the same outcome. Um, you have to have somebody babysitting the troll uh, to get the same outcome, with, uh, to get a good outcome out of uh, really stupid, whereas you don't with bonehead. So it, it's kind of, yeah, I, I just don't see it being an essential piece. There'll be plenty of people out there who'll run all three big guys, I'm sure. And do it reasonably well, but I think for somebody who's starting out um, playing with a troll as well as the other two is uh, it's going to be hard work. And the Minotaur is going to crap out a lot uh, because you yeah. you're going to blitz with that guy uh, because of the extra strength of the horns, and it's got loner, and it's either going to wild animal or it's going to double skull or double both down. So um, for the first. Five games of our league play. What would you be hoping to achieve in terms so, of skill and, and yeah. early development? So I think you're probably going to find uh, skill development is going to be quite slow on a renegade team. Um, it's not. A, it's going to be tough because you don't have access to a lot of the mainstay skills uh, that make your life a lot easier. You've got no sure hands, you've got no block, uh, you've got no, oh, you've got, you don't have dodge in, in my uh, build uh, with the uh, with not taking the goblin. So you, you don't have things that are going to naturally make you uh, likely to win games. Uh, you're going to be chancing your luck a lot of the time. Uh, so I think you're going to rely quite a lot on um, casualties and the odd touchdown here and there. And as far as skilling up, uh, do you want me to go through some of the, the skill ups? I would, uh, I would look at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just yeah. like we always do. Sort of after your first five games with uh, with your renegade team, what would you hope to have developed? So, I think you're going to score quite a bit on the the dark elf. That's going to be your your outlet. Uh, for trying to get the ball up the pitch. And I think it's, it's the most natural ball card carrier early on um, in a build. So I would be looking to get dodge on that first because um, you're probably going to be trying to move away from people more often than you are uh, trying to stand still. So, yeah, I think I would probably go with dodge first for that and then look at block as the next skill. 
and then beyond that, I mean, you're looking at extra stuff like uh, a couple of the mutations, like extra arms and big hand, I think, as being options, in, in my opinion. Um, Cash-wise, so your, your likely story is you're probably going to get the odd cash here and there on your Minotaur and your Ogre. Uh, for the Minotaur, unless I roll a double for the first skill, um, I would take Juggernaut. Uh, makes Blitzing a little bit more reliable. Um, I think, obviously, if it's a double, I would take Block. Um, I think um, second skill... If you got that far within five games, I think break tackle or guard, depending on uh, on what the what the the composition of the league that you were playing in was. I think probably I'd be sort of maybe kind of leaning more towards break tackle because it gives you a bit more maneuverability. Uh, the ogre, I would probably go with like like the minotaur, unless I rolled a double. I would probably go with guard to start with, and then more than likely stand firm um, or break tackle again. Um, I think it's a difficult team because long term, what you're going to want to do is re uh, replace, ultimately for managing TV and stopping TV bloat, you're, you're aiming to replace the Renegade Dark Elf lineman and the Orc lineman with uh, sort of pseudo versions of them within the human, the renegade human linemen, uh, because like you, I think you said before, because they've got such a wide range of skills that they can get, they can be sort of aimed specifically at different uh, at different roles quite easily, and a lot of that will be dictated by if you get stat ups or uh, what have you on on particular things. So I think. You would want to make a couple of them killers, so giving them a block, mighty blow, claw, tackle, or what have you. Um, but you probably want to have a couple of potential like ball handlers in there with uh, um, extra arms and sure hands and um, and block on them. Um, and then I guess some utility pieces like uh, the ones with guard because you've got strength access. You can get guard fairly early on, um, block and guard and stand firm even just to stop them from getting pushed away. Um, and then maybe a couple of, um, or at least one sacker with wrestle and tackle. Yeah. Um, I, think you're, yeah. I think you're going way down the path now. But that's it. You're kind of limited to early, zero to five games. You're not going to get very far. Um, you're maybe going to get, I'd say, two or three skills across the whole team. Um, I would hope at least, I would hope at least three skills. Yeah, I think, I at think least three skills. Three, three's achievable, much more than that's uh, within five games unless you're having a good run of games which which can happen with dice or unless you've developed a really good synergy with how to play them fairly early on i think mm. you're going to struggle to generate star player points um to get you more than that for me if you were if you were to go through the five games and get a mixed bag of wins and losses um Star player points, as you said, are going to naturally fall on the Dark Elf early on because they should be doing all your scoring. And, yep, I would be going for dodge uh, on them quite happily. 
the one reason that I put the Goblin Renegade in early on was to make sure that the team, or my team, has the one-turn touchdown ability from the get-go to combine that up with the Ogre. So if my Goblin does manage to, you know, score and get an MVP or, or something or other, uh, give him a big hand for making, for scooping up that ball easier. Uh, you know, if he gets thrown downfield and has to steal a ball from a, a failed pickup early in the game, uh, I wanted to make sure that the team had that option from from the start. I've not, I wouldn't stray too far uh, with the two big guys' skills. Break tackle for the Minotaur would be my first choice, just so that it helps with his movement. And the ogre would get guard just to help boost that in a scrimmage if he does end up there. Um, both left money in the treasury. I would assume that both our first purchases are going to be an apothecary, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, so we've, myself and Phil saves cash uh, get the apothecary to keep key players alive and keep the team alive. On, and it's only just now that I've I've realised, Phil, that we both um, have the Skaven in the box as well. Yeah, so I think for me, I wanted to limit um, so that there was armor no, no armor seven in the team, uh, and that's the reason why I kind of left the Goblin out for the first lineup. So I would be looking for purchases. So we both agreed on the Apple for the first one, but then you're not that far off. A goblin as well, you know. Like if you have a lucky first game, I've all, I've got thirty k in the bank. If I roll, um, if I if I roll four or five um, in a game, or or whatever, you then or six. Like I, I've I've got the I've got the two. Um, if I roll a six, I've got the two purchases straight away. You know, I've got the apple and the goblin. Uh, but realistically, you could probably get both within two games or three games at the most. Uh, and then I would have the uh, one-turn touchdown option there. I mean, that's that's it's not going to be overly reliable. Uh, it's slightly more reliable doing it with the ogre than it is uh, with the uh, the troll, obviously. Yeah, and that's um, that's why we've that's why we both ditched the troll because it's like to eat goblins. Yeah. So I mean, I I, I definitely agree with your. Um, sort of skill progression with the goblin, you know, I mean, uh, big hand is going to be uh, really useful uh, for recovery, um, especially um, given that um, he's got stunty and dodge, so getting away is fairly, fairly yeah, straightforward. It's, um, it's, the, it's the getting of the ball, and the reason, as I said, I, get, I would make sure he got big hand early on was for that that ball recovery, that theft. You know, if your opponent has received the ball and they've tried to pick it up, fumbled it, throw the goblin down, scoop up the ball, and then it just makes their game more difficult to get started, and there's every chance that a goblin can uh, steal a touchdown. Yeah, or... Um, there's also yeah. every, every chance he'll die. So, yes, yeah, know. absolutely. <laughs> it's a... Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, a given that that will happen uh, at some point. I think the, the reason I left the Skaven off, see, I would probably have the Skaven as um, a purchase 
after the goblin um if i went down that route and like i want to like the skaven uh purely because um he's movement seven um and lends himself to being a particularly good um sweeper uh so chuck wrestle horns and tackle on him and uh he's got more mobility than anybody else in the team um and i'd say he's he's worth a shout but it's that armor seven um i think that uh that would put me off a little bit certainly early on where there's less ability to protect him um me for me in the entire league career i wouldn't buy the skaven at all no make it I've, I've got a model painted for him but learned after using them for you know a couple of seasons that, that he just wasn't and have the bang for his buck yeah i think and i think I, i'd agree i think um it's not it's not the most uh logical kind of one one to go with um it's it's difficult because yeah it, it it's it's a you kind of want to use all the tools available um in a team um but yeah the skaven and the and the troll just don't really add much early on and they they're a bit more of a hindrance than anything else and yeah. with, a, with a couple of stat ups on things um you get movements uh movement up on a human lineman a renegade human lineman and you've instantly got a better player uh than the, the renegade yeah and if, if you want to talk about if we want to talk about stat ups or the uh, marauders i would take everything except for armor yeah i'd agree because they're so good and when it comes to the orc i would just take the strength or agility i wouldn't waste the movement on them yeah i'm not sure i would take agility for bloat you're not going to likely carry on the orc it does help a little bit with repositioning but you're with armor nine you want that guy to be fairly stuck in he's gonna oh, agree yeah. and for the most part you know the first skill he'll be seeing will be block yeah and yeah. in my book and uh, you know he'll be one of those um killer models that you spoke about yes block, block claw block by blow you know block tackle whatever yeah that's that's for the rookie coaches to sort of venture out and when they're you know in or 15 games into the league career um dark elf you would take everything again except for armor yeah and an additional move on him makes him brilliant strength makes him great i mean he's the plus edge just makes him amazing you know i think the, the problem with the dark elf lineman is he's gonna hog development early on because he's the, the, the guy that you're gonna be scoring with or gonna be trying to score with um a lot of the time and you're going to be wanting to hand off or pass to him from um from a human lineman if you're trying to get the ball up the field or you're just going to be wanting to carry with him specifically because with animosity he's not going to take the ball off uh well there's always the chance that the skaven lineman or orc lineman or goblin will not be able to hand the ball off or pass it to him um if it fails its animosity role so yep. 
and and vice versa. So you're you're going to naturally want to have him with the ball to start with. Um, so yeah, he's going to hog points, um, which is why why it's difficult to develop this team significantly over a, a five game period. And uh, whereas some of the teams that we've looked at already, like the Skaven or the Human Team, um, they they will uh, have a much uh, more open uh, progression skills wise within a within a five game period um, because there's more likelihood of uh, of points being moved across the entire team there. So yeah, I think uh, I think I would definitely take everything on him. What about the big guys? I'm I'm not sure for bloat wise. I'm not sure that I would take anything on the big guys in this instance. Yeah, I would agree on that. I mean, it's tempting to take a plus strength on the Minotaur, so you're effectively getting a three-dice blitz without an assist on a lot of things. But it's it's bloat. Yeah, it's bloat on an already expensive piece. You know, 100 yeah. and, is it 150? 150, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I definitely wouldn't take anything on the Ogre. Um, uh, uh, he's... He's there to hold the line of scrimmage, uh, lend support, and throw the goblin. That's his. That's yeah. his life. Yeah, it's going to be. It's his life. I mean, there's always this kind of uh, thought. Well, maybe a, a plus edge makes him edge three, and I could carry the ball with him instead. But everybody knows that that's a fool's errand. Yes, uh, that prick is going to bonehead uh, one square from the. Uh, uh, from the touchdown uh, in turn eight of your drive, all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> as as anybody who's played ogres uh, will know uh, for certain uh, that carrying on ogres is is uh, is hit or miss at best. Uh, most mostly uh, mostly miss. So with that all being said, um, should we migrate over to the the tournament roster? Yeah, I think we've covered everything in the the league roster with that. So tournament roster, as always, uh, rookie coaches, we're talking about the NAF Championships 2020 rule set uh, when it comes to the tournament roster. And you've got 1.1 million gold pieces to spend. And today, the Chaos Renegades, they come in at Tier 2. Is that correct? That's right. That is right. So tier two, they have got access to six normal skills and one double. Yep. So, and as always, I'm sure the rookie coaches will get bored of hearing uh, when myself and Phil are talking. We're only going to talk day two, all the skills available because that's what's important. Yes. Okay. So for me. I went out and splashed the cash on that Minotaur, the Sogar, the Orc. Then I've got seven Chaos Marauders, or Renegade Lineman, uh, the Dark Elf, and the Goblin. That should give me 12 players, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. 12 players, three rerolls. Uh, fan factor two, one coach, one cheerleader, one apothecary. Okay. Haven't overspent there, have I? No. 
No, no, I think you're I think you're on the nose there. Yeah, that that should have come in out perfectly on the money. Yeah. Three rerolls, fan factor two, one coach, one cheerleader, an apothecary, twelve players. And then uh, do you want to do tell us yours and then we'll do do skills after? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so so um my mine's a mine's a slight variant on um a roster that we came up with that we've mentioned before in the car uh back from um uh Eurobowl um in Wales. Uh we came up with a roster that we, we affectionately called the Aberdeen Angus. Um and Al and I both ran it at uh Killy Bowl um twenty eighteen. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck knows. Time's it yeah. time's lost all meaning now. Uh, four months into COVID lockdown. Um so yeah, um a slight variation on that. So basically Minotaur, Ogre, uh five Marauders, Dark Elf, Orc, Skaven, Goblin, and two rerolls, mm-hmm. Apo, and Blue Grip Whip Arm, the star player. Right, yep. And that's TV 1100 on the, the nose as well. Gotcha. So, okay. I know I said in the uh, in the league I wouldn't touch the Skaven, uh, and but but I, when I talk about skills, I'll explain why I went for the Skaven. I thought you okay, okay. So, okay, that's a good roster. Um, skill wise, so put the double on the Minotaur. That shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, I've given block to the orc. I've given guard to two of the the marauders. Okay. And I have given one of them kick. Dark elf gets dodge, and the goblin gets big hand. Okay. It's similar. Similar. Uh, in some aspects uh, to what I've got. Um, so on the Minotaur, I've got my break tackle. Um, on the Ogre, I've got my block. Okay, yeah. Uh, the Dark Elf has got dodge. Hmm? Uh, the Skaven's got wrestle. Uh, the Goblin's got big hand. And I've given one Marauder tackle and one leader. Right, so leader gets you the uh, gets you the other reroll back up to three rerolls. Yeah, um, yeah, and then of course, uh, just just so we're covering Ludgrip's uh, inclusion in here as well, um, he is um, he's a movement six, strength three, edge three, AV nine. He's 160k. He's got dodge, loner, pass, strong arm, sure hands, and tentacles. So he's going to be carrying out a lot of the ball handling and distribution uh, for for me, to be honest. Um, I think he's uh, he's having the Aberdeen Angus uh, was built kind of around him. 
and then the rest of the team are are more disruptors than anything else um which is kind of something i've kind of i've kind of left in place from for my build here i think the difference between the the angus build and everything was it was based around the world cup build which allowed to stack skills on a couple of players um which you can't obviously do in the naf champs uh, it's not a, an option um so i think the goblin in that build had um big hand and two heads oh yeah he was phenomenal which he was, was he great was, um, yeah it's a brilliant piece so we we yeah. both ran ran that roster, and that that kind of led me to look at the uh, um, at the the bits that I might have changed with that because that that had guard in it, um, like like you've taken in yours. And I thought, well, like yeah, guard guard's useful, and and I did think quite a bit about whether I would take guard on one of these guys uh, rather than tackle. But then <laughs> tackle opens up uh, hit and dodge players. Um, a bit more reliably, I, I just, I, I, I was on the fence with that. Sure. It's, I'm looking at my team uh, and having now heard yours, I, I prefer your team. If you've been a bit more creative and uh, in that sense, I, I like it more. But looking at my team, it's very safe in that a couple of players with their skills that have combined to work together so uh, uh, or two of the guard guys should be going around with the minotaur make sure that he gets three dice blocks wherever he goes yeah uh, the orc with block he should have a guard piece near him so that he's also getting two dice blocks and teaming up uh, dark elf is the 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 ball carrier and scorer for the most part, so uh, high agility and dodge to get them out of trouble. Um, and then I'm wanting to combine a kick, kick skill uh, with my ability to throw teammate with the big handed goblin. Yeah, yeah, so no, trying I, to, trying I can to, see that, yeah. Trying to control where the ball ends up in that anticipation or hope that they. Uh, mess up the pickup or if you know depending on whereabouts you're playing what level of player you're playing if they forget if they forget to pick up the ball if you've thrown it if you've managed to kick it so far downfield you know it's only one or two squares away from the you know, from the touchdown area you might think oh yeah it's it's completely safe if they've forgotten that you can throw teammate and if you can get the goblin down there can have a one turner, um, you know, without too much resistance. So, some, for me, it's always important to have those wild card options available. And yeah, I, I think it's also <laughs> it's also worth mentioning to the rookie coaches now that you're not going to be playing in the top sort of ten or fifteen tables with the Chaos Renegades towards the end of a tournament. No. So, no, you know, you'll be. I'm not going to say you'll be bottom feeding, but you'll be. Know, mid table, and you never know what sort of player you're going to encounter. So, make sure you've got got all the options uh, available to you to to trick to trick them up. Yeah, um, I, I'd say mid table at best. I think a lot yeah. of, a lot of the time uh, you're going to be uh, circling the drain. Um, yeah, yeah. If you come up <laughs> against and if you come up against uh, tier one teams, um, you're probably going to suffer. 
Um, I think a, a lot of the time it's it's going to be down to dice a lot of the time. Um, and and I think with both our teams, um, the um, disruptive element of them is uh, is very much almost an all or nothing. Um, but when they do come off, it'll shit up your opponent like nobody's business. It's a mind game. I remember um, when when we were playing at uh, Killy Bowl, um, that that goblin was ridiculous. Like I, the first game I was playing against um, uh, Stephen Brands, actually uh, his underworld team, and uh, he failed the pickup twice um, in um, in his drive. Um, and I managed to charge the goblin. I didn't even throw him because I had enough time to get up uh, the pitch to put him behind the uh, the ogre just to, just in case I fancied throwing him. Um, but I managed to bomb up the pitch. And the look on his face when he failed to pick up the second time and realised that I could actually score um, in the uh, in the next turn if I picked it up and dodged out of his tackle zone uh, with big hand and uh, and two heads. Uh, which was priceless because uh, it became a reality <laughs> very, very, very quickly. Of course, he failed to pick up, uh, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was it was brilliant. And I, I, it's just, for the same reason, you know, like I look at um, I look at the, the team I picked, and I'm looking at trying to pop the ball, pit, recover it with the the goblin, hand it off to um, uh, Lude Grip. And then cycle it up to the dark elf. So I'm I'm always going to be looking at trying to keep uh, to keep the dark elf in a position where he uh, where he's he can get away from folk and I can maybe screen him off and can use lead grip to get the ball to him quite easily um, with having pass and sure hands. Um, I can recover with lead grip. But I can also pass the ball up the the pitch because he's got a strong arm as well. You know. Um, I think uh, you've got the option of recovering the ball with the, the goblin as well. He's scooping it up on a three, uh, handing it off. I, I think what you're talking about there is um area where my roster uh, lacks a lot is the, the ball handling and ball movement. You know, I'm I'm still carrying the same number of rerolls as you. And um, you know, we've granted you have to use a skill to get your third one, but uh, you know, I don't have any sure hands or pass. So, you know, it's mm, tricky. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be going out of my way to pass. Um, but if it's the thing that, that'll that will make a difference in a game, you know, like uh, at least it's a guy uh, who has the pass skill built in. And like I say, he's got strong arm as well. You know, you can you can move the, the ball a fair, a fair distance and then you've got a, a two-up catch at the other end. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of... It's a thing that dreams are made of uh, when that sort of play comes off. I think um, it's less likely to happen um, because you've got to roll dice. Uh, but you know, it, it can happen and does. It's the same as the Minotaur with break tackle. Um, the ability to decide that you are going to cage dive uh, with the Minotaur and take a hit at their uh, ball carrier. Um, as a last ditch effort, and then you push them out the other side of the cage. You, you you've got uh, even if you don't knock them down, you know you've um, made massive inroads there. You can reposition your guys into making sure you've got um, an option to 
to stall them for another turn until uh, you go again. You know, I think we both had that that payoff at least once in the uh, in the tournament we played yeah. with them as well. Really did. Um, I think I think the Skaven, like I said, uh, the extra move um, lends itself to having him as a as sweeper as well and chuck and wrestle on him. I mean, it kind of makes it fairly safe. People with blocker are, are going to go down with him, and there's no armor rolls, so armor seven's not so much of a big deal. Um, in that respect, you know, it's. Uh, I think uh, the fact he's movement seven as well means he's an, an optional uh, ball uh, recipient. You know, he's got a bit of speed. He can be off down the rest of the uh, down the pitch while the rest of the team are screening. You know, it's uh, it, it, it's, it gives you options. I think there's there's quite a few options in my build. I was tempted to put something on the orc, uh, but then then again, I thought he's just going to be stuck on the line. I'm not not really doing much with him. He's, his job's to go down and get back up again. Yeah, that's it. I think the rookie, I think the rookie coaches should pay more attention to your roster than to mine. I think, Going, I, think um, I don't know. I think your roster's got merit. I think your roster's safer um, in terms of. Uh, if you're looking at um, um, more consistency around what you're doing, uh, you yeah, because I mean, I've done the Minotaur. Uh, you know that that's going to work um, more likely than uh, the block on the uh, the brick tackle on the Minotaur. I know I've traded it off onto the ogre, but um, I think guard definitely helpful. Like you, like there's definitely merit to what you've what you've suggested. Yeah. And I think the coaches as well should remember in fact our coach, cheerleader, apothecary they're all sitting there as well for supporting the um, golf uh, dice rolls etc so yeah yeah, but yours, yours sounds more exciting <laughs> I think I think I'd definitely take the apple um, in both builds you know like we, you're going to want to uh, resurrect that dark elf when he fails his dodge uh, or, or the Minotaur when he spanks in his first uh, uh, first block and, uh, and and ends up uh, going off. Yeah, so I think the the uh, the apple is definitely going to come in useful. I think uh, I'm not sure about the uh, just what did you have two fan factor and then one of each of the coach and the cheerleader. Right. Yes. Yeah. I think on your build, it's the only way to put the the rest of the money. You know, you can't really kind of buy anything else. So, um, no. I think it's worthwhile for uh, reroll denial. Um, on like you said on the kickoff table, on your build, definitely makes sense. It might grab you a couple of extra rerolls. Uh, yeah, which which you yeah, well, like like for like the reason we explained in the league progression, there's no great amount of block on the team so you're going to be coming up against uh, suboptimal um results on the on the on the mm -hmm. block uh, the, every block that you make i think no. so having having covered the tournament you've already touched on one star player um, and he would be a choice for me being um Lucret whip arm other uh, highlights from the Star player area. So I think, like, we've when we've talked about star players, we've looked at um, at who would be a, like a, a must buy, and I I would say like as far as must buys go, um, 
wood grip would be one. Um, and the other one for me would be wither grasp double drill. And I think it would very much depend on what I was playing against, because they're both two slightly different kind of tacks. Uh, wood grip's a, a ball carrier, like I said before, having dodge uh, sure hands and, and all that, and also a ball distributor. Wither grasp is 170,000 GP 6338. He comes with loner, prehensile tail, tackle, tentacles, two heads, and wrestle. So yeah, he's I, just a, he's just a nightmare. He is, and he's a he's a brilliant pl- uh, star player. If you're coming up against edge teams, he's so annoying. You know, like he's got about three or four things that work in synergy. You know, attack, uh, prehensile tail removes uh, um, or puts a, a negative modifier on the on the dodge away. You've got to pass the tentacles roll first, which although he's low strength, you've still got to roll two dice and hope that it's uh, it's gone. You he's got tackle, so you're not getting your dodge reroll. Um, and then on the offensive kind of side, he's got he's also got wrestle and two heads, which means although he's edge threes, uh, dodging on a four, so he can uh, uh, sorry a two rather because uh, he's effectively edge four. Um, and he's got uh, he's got wrestle and tackle, so he can take down both uh, blodgers and and standard dodgers. You know, I think he's uh, he's very useful against agile stunty teams. Yep. Uh, whereas Lude Grip, I'd be more inclined to take him against uh, sort of middle of the road teams or bash teams because he's uh, he's armor nine and he's got a few um, extra extra teams. The only the only Thought the, the only one that might make that a difficult choice is Wood Elves because uh, he's got sure hands, and the guy that's going to be trying to take the ball out of your hands most of the time will be a war dancer. Um, so if you cage up around him, at least with sure hands, he's not getting the ball. A strip ball war dancer is not getting the ball out your out your grasp without putting you down. Um, what I would say then, if you've covered two good, really good star players, but if it comes to the loot grip, it's 160k. Yeah. If you, if you had 160 to spend and it was going on star players, I'd double down and grab um, Ugroth with Ballgrot mm-hmm. and our Dribble Snot and just go you know, proper old school Blood Bowl and just try and kill everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. So a growth hundred thousand five three three nine chainsaw loner secret weapon. He's a, that's just a pretty blunt instrument. He's just a chainsaw, and uh, he's gonna carve up whatever he gets near, probably himself. And then bomber dribbles. Not. I uh, don't know if we've ever spoken about him before yet, but six two three seven. Accurate bombardier, dodge loner, right stuff, secret weapon, stunny. So, buying uh, those two, a chainsaw and bombs going off, that would reduce the risk for the second half if they can if they can get a decent casualty count running together. I think I think having them um, fielding them on defence um, allows you to keep your uh 
a couple of players off uh, in in the opponent's drive to to then um, have a bit a few more players kicking about in the second half. Um, but yeah, I think I think I would agree with Ogroth uh, Bogrok with him being armor nine. Um, he's, it's not a given he's going off if he if he fails his uh, chainsaw roll or if he goes down. Yeah. Um, I I want to like bomber dribble snot because what's not to like chucking bombs at people? Um, but the one thing he's missing to make him hilarious is hail mary pass because <laughs> that that would just be an insta buy on a lot of a lot of teams that he's available for just if you had 60k or I think he'd, he'd probably even be worth 80k um, with uh, with Hail Mary instead of Accurate um, I think yeah, he, I want to like him but I, every time I've used him he's been very very ineffective there's nothing worse than throwing a bomb uh, you you play goblins as well. Uh, there's nothing worse yeah. than throwing a bomb, having a player that you don't expect to catch it, catch it, and then throw it back at you or at some of your other players. <laughs> then 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 go down instead, um, and that seems to happen yeah. quite regularly. Or yeah. the even the even more comedy one of uh, the fumble uh, and killing yourself. Uh, been been there, done that. Yeah, it's just like I say. I, I want to like him. He's just that one skill difference away from being hilariously good. Um, I, I think. I think. Yeah, I think those two. I, I, I'm always on the fence. Anything above 150k or around about 150k, I'm always on the fence as to whether a wizard's a better option. But I think yeah, it, you, you've mentioned those, that in the past. Yeah, but. this is one of those teams where I would advocate the star player rather than the wizard I think because I think they add something that you just don't have um, as a starting team or a, a team that's maybe down on, on TV um, whereas the wizard I th- it definitely gives you options but I think you, you get more out of the star players in this in this instance because they're, they're adding skills to your team that aren't there so yeah I agree yeah, I think if money was no object, I mean, just looking at the at the options there, I think the only one that you would kind of even consider if money was no object is is Morgan Thorg. Um, but that's a lot of a lot of TV difference, and I would be more inclined to get multiple star players. If you've got enough for Morgan Thorg, you've got enough for um, Wood Grip and Wither Grasp, and yeah. an extra apple or whatever. You, yeah, or you can, or you can pick up Helmet Wolf and you know have multiple chainsaws and bombs and yeah, so the, the it can spiral. Yeah, so the multiple chainsaw uh, angle and this is quite funny as well. You know, like uh, all the all the mixed teams now have um, access to to two chainsaw players, um, which can be quite entertaining or devastating. <laughs> depending on uh, which end of the the spectrum they perform at, you know, I think having having a chainsaw player each half um, could be could be pretty brutal. Uh, but fielding two at the same time uh, would be a yeah. That's that's a that's a hail mary if ever there was one. Yeah. It's a, so yeah, it's an interesting one. Now that we've sort of drawn 
and to close with the uh, Chaos Renegades, we've got to um, got to rate them. Yeah, one to ten for for winability at a tournament. Yeah, um, I am gonna. Ask me to say I'm gonna stick them at a four. A four. Yeah, I I would say a nailed on for a possible five, but probably more likely a four. I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, I mean, they would get a five if the German build maybe put them at tier three or, you know, let them stack some skills or maybe give them a bit more money. But even then, yeah, they would only get to five. So the rookie coaches should be well aware that they're a lot of fun. They're not going to be picking up a, a trophy. No, I mean you, you you've got a, the only trophy you could pick up realistically with these guys is most cash, but you would have to build your team specifically to maximize that. And I think uh, you wouldn't be winning many games if you went that route. Yeah, uh, which you means on the attrition. You wouldn't be having much fun. So, you know, rookie rookie coaches, listen to uh, listen to Phil's roster first of all. And if you don't like it, give mine a whirl and see how you go. So that would be that. I think as we're, yeah, I think as we're going through these as well, um, it would be useful to get some uh, some tales of the tape from people who've actually used those rosters or um, or or even just tried them out for the first time uh, on the back of here in this podcast. You know, I think uh, <laughs> it's always good to hear. People have tried something that you've come up with and, and it's been shit. Uh, so, yeah. So, so, yeah, if anybody has, has ventured into uh, tournament style um, scenarios with these, um, yeah, get, let, let us know on the Facebook page. Um, and, we, um, we, do, we do get feedback um, for some of our other sections, but you know, there's, there's a. And not many rookie coaches have got in contact with us yet to say, yeah, we tried out your roster and it failed, which means yeah. you must be trying them out and they must be successful. So well done, you guys. Well done. Yes. So I mean, obviously the uh, uh, the tournament side of things is a bit light at the moment. But yeah, I mean, in casual games and just uh, practice games, it would be useful to hear what people are, are, are finding with the, the rosters um, and, and whether folk are enjoying playing with them. Or think that they're big steaming piles of horse shit. Yep. Yep. So the next section is dice rage. So when it can go wrong, it will go wrong. And we've all had it happen. Um, some more often than others. Some uh, have a bit easier road. But um, Al, tell us your uh, your most recent one from memory. Well, this isn't the most recent one in terms of time, but it's probably one of the biggest ones. The previous dice rages that I've spoken about have been, you know, maybe key games at events or one-off games. I, I cast my mind back, and I've got an entire tournament. It was just absolutely horrific. Uh, I'm not going to go through it game by game and what I rolled and what they rolled because I truly, really can't remember. Um, but the results, the results will speak for themselves. I'm talking about. It was a one-day tournament, three games, and it was called Ockle Bowl, and it was back in 2015. And 
musical memory. This was held at Common Ground Games in Stirling, which uh, I've already mentioned maybe previously. I can't remember now, but that's where I'm holding my bolt action tournament. So I'm familiar with the with the area. Uh, you know, you know, just to jump straight into it, I lost all three of my games that day, <laughs> and there was just nothing I could do. Nothing what, what at were all. you running at the time? At the time, I was playing Skaven. Right, okay. So, I um, if I think back, I'd been using Skaven pretty much for the past um, two years. Uh, you know, so I, the previous Opal Bowl in 2014, I played Skaven and I had uh, two wins and a loss at that. I'd taken them to a Euro Bowl and went 2-2-2. Two, two, two. That was part of the, you know, the main the main team. Um, I'd almost won Bridey Bowl in 2015 with Skaven. Uh, I finished 2-1. Uh, I played on the top table against um, Perdindas and his Norse that day uh, and lost. Uh, that's probably the closest I've ever come to winning a Blood Bowl tournament. And also in 2015, I'd been to the NAF Championships and went 3-0-3. Uh, you know, so not too bad, but then then come the end of 2015, Ocobol, uh, you know, 003. Oh man, it was a it was a dark day, uh, and it all started with um, I played the Scottish team captain, Kilted Kiwi, or Don Shula as he was known at, at that time, and uh, he was running Wood Elves. <laughs> I've, I've no idea what I was doing. Whatever I was doing, it was just rubbish because I got beat five <laughs> 0 <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I got beat five 0 and it was that's one of the worst losses that I've ever done. And uh, I think Kiwi was just looking at me as though, like, dude, what are you doing? And I've actually no idea what happened in that game. Um, but I just, you know, when you pick yourself up after a bad loss, you dust yourself down. It's like, right, let's go, let's get the next game going. Well, the next game was against uh, Vanguard. Uh, running Skaven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was running Skaven that day as well. And, uh, you know, for the life of me, don't know what happened, but I lost 4 <laughs> 1. <laughs> that's, two, that's two big losses, one, one yeah. after the other. And, and a mirror match, uh, sorry, a mirror match. Uh, uh, a bad loss as well, you know. God. Yeah. So yeah, Vanguard. Did you, did you both have similar skill sets? Uh, I truly can't remember now. To this day, you know, five five years ago, it was you know, in the distant past. But I do remember that whatever I tried to do failed, and whatever I was trying to do probably wasn't very good anyway. You know, to to suffer a four one loss uh, to another Skaven team. So after two big losses. Uh, in a in a one day tournament, you know you're playing on the bottom table, <laughs> and I have to say that was a bit I was a bit disappointed to be there. Um, but when I got down to the bottom, I, I met another obviously another Scottish player called um, Awesome, and he was using high elves that day. And I'm quite sure my I was playing with a lot of sort of pride and determination. Um, but whatever happened was to no avail, and I lost 2-1 to High Elves on the bottom table at Ocobo in 2015. And uh, I received the wooden spoon. 
which is which is the which is the only you know the only wooden spoon in my um, trophy cabinet. That's, that's amazing. Display it with pride. But the one thing I should say that day was a Saturday in um, in August, and they, throughout the whole thing, I had a, a dinner planned with my wife. Sorry, with my girlfriend at the time on the Sunday night. And we were flying out to go on holiday uh, to New York on the Monday morning. Well, I was looking forward to that, but in my figure case, Skaven team had an engagement ring. So I was going to be asking her to marry me uh, on the Sunday night. So every time I was taking my models in and out, it was just this little pouch with the engagement ring. Just, and I, you know, I, you know, one of those huge moments in your life. I'd, I'd taken like nine months to find the ring, buy it, uh, make sure it was all sized correctly. You know, with obviously without her knowing. And um, yeah, so I know that my mind wasn't in the game or in in the event properly. But I'd like to think I could have at least got you know I went off the bottom table. Uh, I just don't think my <laughs> dice were there and my mind wasn't there. But yeah, you know, um, to to put the to put a nice sort of end to the story, uh, I had the dinner on the Sunday night. Put down on one knee, asked asked her to marry me. She said yes. We flew out to New York the next day. Had a great holiday, and because of that, I have never been back to Ockelbowl since. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been back because it falls on our um, like an anniversary weekend. So yeah, it never. Um, it, oh, you'll never get to go to Ockelbowl ever again because it's uh, now Kelpie Cup, uh, the scene of my uh, one of my poor uh, tournament uh, results as well. It's it's the same uh, with the Kelpie Cup. I'll never go because uh, it's it's a particular weekend. You know that's got meaning now, and um, so yeah, it was. Was I raging? The last game I was. I <laughs> believe I should have been able to do better, but you know what? One is done, and uh, it's I've, I've got good memories from that weekend, just not from that Blood Bowl event. So, Aye, absolutely. I think the uh, the only way it could have been worse, and obviously than her to turn around and say no. Uh, but in a more comedic sort of way, it would be if you'd fumbled the uh, the ring when you were trying to. <laughs> to do yeah, Thank, thankfully this this Sunday the dinner went smoothly and the amazing I found the right place. And it was really strange. You know what? One of the biggest things I was worried about was I was wanting to ask her in New York to marry me. You know, it's a bit cliched. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about you know the right place, the right spot, what will be the perfect moment. Then on the Sunday night, this is a bit soapy for a Blood Bowl podcast. Sorry, guys. I um, We were going to be walking past the place where we first held hands, um, and that's where I asked her. So it all actually tried, turned out really, really well. Um, but yeah, so but Blood Bowl, bleh. You really need to have your. You'd really need to have your mind in the game. That's uh, to actually make a success. Yeah, that's uh, obviously the the distraction wouldn't have been helping there um, for your concentration. But yeah, that's an impressive uh, three consecutive losses. 
mean, a lot of people have the old, uh, oh, we'll maybe get the, uh, <laughs> maybe get the, the one or two, and it might be one nil or or very close fought ones, but five nil followed by four one. Uh, it's yeah, pretty, it's pretty, pretty brutal. brutal. I mean, it's worth bearing in mind that both of those players that you played against are are pretty reasonable. They're they're fairly handy with uh, with their teams, so uh, they know what they're doing. But at the same time, you know, yeah, no. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pumping. Yeah. What about yourself? What's um, what's on your rage? So, hey. so this was this is uh, this wasn't me uh, dice raging. Uh, it was uh, it was my opponent uh, at Burger Bowl in 2019. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it was it was all good because he he was uh, he took it he took it like a champ. Uh, but um, I was playing um, uh, Scott Payton, uh, who's uh, Jack H um, on uh, NAF stuff, um, and I was running Lizards, and he was running Chaos. Um, and it was World Cup rules, so it was a fairly, fairly uh, good chaos build. You know, the opportunity for the chaos uh, to get a, <laughs> to get a good kind of uh, set of skills uh, was there, and he'd taken pr- pretty much an optimal kind of uh, team uh, with that one. Mm. And it was, uh, it was a he's a good, he's a good player. This this guy, uh, he went, he went really kind of uh, well at the World Cup in the same year with humans and, and he knows what he's doing. He's uh, well known on Fumble as well. Um, so we were, we were sitting, we always have a good bit of banter. We were sitting playing. Um, I'd uh, I'd gone uh, 1-0 up in the first half. It had been fairly uh, pedestrian sort of stuff, you know, um, the, the pair of us uh, trading, uh, trading blows. I think it had been the odd player gone off here or there. Um, but it kind of it it had one one draw nailed on. Um, did you say what um, what race you were playing? I was lizard men. He was chaos. Okay. So it had one one nailed on. Um, it was going it was going reasonably uh, sort of evenly uh, tit for tat. Like I said, block block for block. What were going down? I can't remember if I'd lost any players at this point. Um, I'd pro- knowing my luck, I'd probably lost a couple of Soros or something like that. But I was I was on the back of two two one wins, so I was uh, I was going in the in the first day. Uh, I was aiming for um, for uh, well three wins. Uh, at that point, I was sitting there thinking, you know, I could finish the first day on three wins here if I if I managed to get something out of this game. Mm-hmm. So um, had this. Um, Thought well, you know, I mean, I could just start doing crazy shit now because I mean, the worst case scenario here is I'm I'm going to draw. You know, it's not going to be uh, um, a bad result. I would be quite happy going in two uh, two uh, two wins, one draw at the end of the first day. Um, so I, I just looked at Scott across the table and said, "I'd be two dice uphill and you with skinks uh, in your cage." For the rest of this, uh, this until I pop the ball, and he, he kind of laughed and shrugged it off. Um, so <laughs> the first, uh, the first cage dive with the, the skink um, didn't go so well. So I was like, "All right, okay, that that that's uh, this is all pie in the sky stuff here." The second cage dive with a skink uh, popped the ball. 
Uh, mm-hmm. So it was a two dice uphill, uh, and I, um, I think it was a, it was a pow and a, and a defender stumbles, or a beastman who had block. I'm pretty sure, um, and the ball bounced um, out the other side of the cage and um, into um, like one tackle zone. And I had at this point, I was like, "Oh, that's uh, that's quite uh, handy." I've still got some movement on this guy, uh, another guy um, who I can stand up, and I've got a skink that's uh, that's kind of handily placed, who could just tear off up the other end of the pitch if I could get it in his hands. So I just I just looked at Scott, and I was like, "I'm going to pass this right now." And I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna win two 0 And he was like, at this point, he was kind of sitting there thinking, and I could see him, and he just said, "No, no, this is gonna happen, isn't it?" And I'm like, "Yes, yes, it is." Yes, yes. It is. <laughs> so I had to, I had to dodge out of a tackle zone, uh, dodge back into a tackle zone. This was in order to have enough move to make it. Uh, so it was a four-up pass. Um, with two go for it, so it was a a dodge out of a tackle zone, a dodge into a tackle zone, a pick up on a four up, a dodge out of a tackle zone, move the the next couple of squares, and then go for it twice to make it a, mm. a quick pass on a four up. Um, so I made all of them without having to uh, to use a reroll. Uh, or or the dodge skill. Um, would I, I, as soon as I picked up the ball, I was like, "This is on!" And I got to the the throw, uh, made made the throw, made the catch, and I was up on the other end of the pitch. And at every, at every dice roll, as it, it kind of accumulated further down the road, I could just see Scott's like like kind of mind blown kind of face. It's like this is actually happening. This is actually happening. It was it was brilliant. Um, just see him getting redder just, and just redder, him, and redder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't angry. He, it was just incredulous. He was. Uh, he was like, "Oh yeah. my god, what is actually happening here? This is bullshit." <laughs> and like, I didn't even have to. I didn't even have to do anything because my skink was safe. He was miles away from uh, from anybody in Scott Scott's team because they'd all kind of piled down with the ball to protect it. So mm. all, I, all I did was kind of. Uh, move a couple of people in the way and then stalled out for a couple of turns and scored and then that didn't even give them enough time to to get a, um to get a consolation uh so yeah it was uh, uh that that was that was great from my side but i mean as far as he he was uh, tempted to just burn the chaos team at that point uh <laughs> after that one so i think he'd oh, been doing all uh, he'd, he'd been doing kind of okay with them it's good uh, to have a dice rage, you know, but the other player having it, you know, our our, our listeners and our rookie coaches should understand that sometimes you're going to have the hottest dice on the planet and you've got to make the most of them because, you know, that, that, luck, will, that luck will turn on you. So, yeah, and winners, winners are grinners. And that's it. I went into day two uh, having won three games and then uh, the, the wheels kind of fell off a bit. However, I would come the end of game five, um, I was in the top table game, um, which I ended up losing to the guy who actually won it. But that that was the cl- that's the closest um, closest I've come to winning a tournament. Um, you you'd said uh, 
uh, Brady Ball was the closest for you. Yeah. Uh, Burger Ball last uh, in 2019 was the closest I've come to winning one. Um, so if I'd have won the game, I would have won the tournament. Which is uh, disappointing, but at the same time, uh, he was running, uh, the guy I played in the final game was running an underworld team, and they had an, a really good uh, um, rule set um, in terms of the skill pack that they could take that year. So it was, uh, it was a, a, a great team. And when we get to talking about underworld going forward, uh, the, the type of builds that we're looking at, yeah, there's some great ones in there too. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, they are um, they're in the same the same family as the renegades that we've spoken about. Yeah, if the tournament build allows them, they can be really really good. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. For really good in terms of really good fun. Um, you know, they they still make the a better league team than they do a tournament winning, a tournament winning uh, team. So, yeah, brilliant. But now that all the dice rage is gone. Uh, we should sort of look to the future in terms of what are we going to try and uh, for ourselves before our next podcast. Uh, the sad thing is that my best endeavours failed, all of them as well. Um, I couldn't even get a goblin painted because the spirit has left me. Uh, I, didn't even, I didn't even bother trying to attempt to finish any of the other different sort of units for other game systems that I had just need a little touching up and um, you know playing a real person online at Blood Bowl I got plenty of offers it was like some sort of uh, weird gaming eating situation but uh, <laughs> I, had, I had to turn them all down in the end because I just couldn't set aside the, the time to actually do it so I don't really know what I'm going to try and achieve for next time Probably everything that I didn't do for this time, which which would be a good good start. Yeah, uh, it's uh, painting that goblin be a good one to get off the off the list, just so you don't have to stress out about it the last uh, last month before it's due. It's yeah. it's, it's it October. It's due. It's yeah, yeah. So you've still got a wee bit of time, I guess, at least. But yeah, getting yeah, out. If of the I'm way. still if I'm still talking about that bloody goblin at the start of October, though, I was really depressing. <laughs> it's a it's a goblin. Amazing. How about you though? What are you gonna try and do? Because you you got some good hobby done this. Yeah, this, uh, this month. I'm not expecting to get as much done um, this coming month between podcasts. Um, like I think, uh, but with me having the uh, the kind of dual hobbies of of uh, wargaming and uh, and music as well, one of them ends up kind of taking a back seat uh while the while I do the other one obviously. Yeah. Um it just it tends to sap my creative energy enough that I, I don't have enough to put into into the into both at the same time. I, I need to focus on one. So uh, yeah, it's more likely I'll probably spend a bit more time on the music this uh, this month. But um as far as painting goes, I'll 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 definitely have finished that uh, Bretonian team. Um, that's not far to get that over the line. Um, and I've got a few other things kicking about. I've got um, a Seraphon Star Priest um, that is kind of partway through as well. Um, and I might build the uh, Pterodons um, 
for the the Seraphon army as well. I also have a couple of things for the Nurgle guys to finish off as well. I've got the um, uh, like ten plague bearers uh, that aren't far off being finished. Um, so there's there's, a, there's options there. I think I'll probably end up just sort of streamlining it down to focusing specifically on the the Bretonians just to get them done and dusted. Yeah. Yeah, it's always good to get a project finished instead of you know trying to do half a dozen all at the same time. Yeah, and I felt uh, I felt that this month actually with the with getting the Bastilladon and the Great Unclean one finished, uh, it was nice just to get those over the over the line, um, and uh, starting to to sort of fill up the the cabinet with painted miniatures now rather than uh, a sea of grey plastic which is always always good uh, yeah, yeah i hate i hate seeing a, a figure case where so yeah you know display cabinet with unpainted models in it that's just just don't do it i'd rather just have empty shelves yeah it's so destroying um seeing it like that because uh, you end up uh you end up kind of looking at it and uh and worrying about, about how much you've got to do rather than how much you've actually done, um, yeah. which is which is a shame because I like you, you do you, you do put a lot of effort into these things. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 starting to to focus on the positives of that. I've got uh, the other kind of hobby related thing that will get done at some point this uh, uh, month is uh, some shelving that's going up in my um, studio. So. A lot of the boxes of miniatures that are currently sitting in my display cabinet will actually get bundled up onto the shelves, um, so that it <laughs> frees up extra space for for painted things. So yeah, no, it'll be uh, be good to get that done as well. So I can have a you, um, you really shouldn't you really shouldn't have boxes of product in your display cabinet. That is well, it's yeah bad. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a. There's, it's just a shelf with stuff in it. Um, I mean, it's just because there's nowhere else to put it at the moment. But yeah, it will. Uh, uh, it will kind of be nice to move it out of there, um, just to to get a better visual kind of aspect. But yeah, probably mm-hmm. probably look at downsizing some stuff as well. I like get rid of a few things that I've, I've got no intention of painting. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see where I get to. But yeah, that's it. McNug, McNug's team, uh, the uh, the Bretts, get them done. That's the main thing. I suppose that now circles around to the the tail end of the podcast, and um, we've been uh, contacted by quite a number of different league commissioners around the world, and uh, we've plucked two uh, we thought were worthy of mention for our league spotlight. So well done, all of you. And if you want your league. Uh, mentioned if um, the commissioner or whoever organises your football league in your local community just get in contact with us with your uh, name, details, best contact, how people can reach out and play games. So, uh, you want to do first, Phil? Yeah. So uh, the first one is um, um, it's based in New Zealand. It's a, a league called the Otago Blood Bowl Community, um, and it's a and they've got a Facebook page slash group, and it's organised by a guy called Duncan Tricky. Um, so the, the story behind uh, him, uh, he's the, the actual guy who got me into Blood Bowl in the first place. Um, really? Back, back in the day, yeah. Aye, so I mentioned him in the, I think maybe the first podcast. 
but yeah, um, still mates with him on uh, Facebook and uh, keep up with what he's doing over there in New Zealand. So yeah, he's the sort of commissioner for the uh, Otago Blood Bowl community, and they play their tabletop games in Dunedin. So yeah, if you're if you're in that area, uh, drop him a line if you're interested in playing in person. But they also have a a kind of uh, a Blood Bowl League on Fumble uh, called the Oceana Secret Blood Bowl League, or OSBBL. Um, so if you're in the Australia or New Zealand time zone, or if you fancy getting up at stupid o'clock or staying up till stupid o'clock, uh, it's worth giving them a shout on that as well. Yeah, the time difference you know, between Australia, New Zealand and the UK can range between 9 and 11 hours. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Good luck, good luck with that, but uh, it sounds like the boys over in Dunedin would be um, worth getting in contact with. Uh, yeah, definitely. I know Duncan's quite active on the Blood Bowl community page on Facebook as well, so um, if you play in that area, uh, give him a shout. And Al, then who I, have you got? Yeah, I guess uh, on the flip side of that, we've got something a bit more local uh, to the Scottish environment um over at perth war games club is double skulls they play the, the tabletop version of the game um every second sunday at big dog books in perth just please remember everybody that's perth and scotland okay perth scotland um they've got a facebook group that you can register your interest and get in contact and your point of contact over there is a bloke called jimmy elder so he's your main guy, and yeah, you can find them on Perth uh, War Games Club, All Skulls on Facebook. Yeah, I know those guys were considering sort of looking at a tournament uh, in the in the not too distant future potentially, but um, uh, I think their plans have maybe been put off by uh, COVID this year. So hopefully, we might get a, a tournament around Perth area at some point in the not too distant future, um, and. Jimmy's been. Jimmy came to uh, to Granite Bowl last year as well, and he's been to a few other tournaments. Uh, so yeah, it'd be good to see uh, some more of the Perth guys up and about in the tournament scene too. So if you're over that way, yeah, give them a shout. I believe that's us. Well, we've pretty much uh, reached the finish line. It's come to a. Uh... To our crashing end. So that is um, episode four. Uh, coaches and rookie coaches, I hope you've enjoyed your ride. And, um, you know, again, if you've got any feedback on the rosters that myself and Phil have discussed for the Chaos Renegades, or if you want uh, any specific questions asked, uh, sorry, asked and answered in future podcasts, just please get in touch with us. Yeah. Um, just drop us a line on the Facebook page or uh, if you're friends with us already, message us, whatever is easier. Um, and that's it. And keep an eye out on the Facebook page for Two Guys, One Dice Cup for the next poll, the next episode. Uh, that should be coming up sometime in the future. Uh, depends when you listen to this podcast. Okay, guys, stay safe and we'll see you later. Bye.